This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Besotted Podcast. We're here. It's on a Monday night. Don't do that many Monday nights. But it's a Monday night now because we've got a game on Tuesday against Wednesday. Uh, in the studio of us here, we've got Dave Lane from Besotted. Evening. Matt Allard from Besotted. And we've got Terry Hibbard joining us a bit later. The Hoyland Owl going to be chatting to us Sheffield Wednesday. But before that, we're going to be chatting about the weekend. We played Wigan at the weekend, Uwe Rosner's first game against Brentford, which was a little bit spicy. It was meant to be a little bit spicy. Did you think it was that spicy, Matt, the game uh, that we saw? Well, the pitch, there was a bit of spice to it. I don't... I, I mean, really, the spice generated, I think, probably by the Brentford side of things. Whether the Wigan players are interested in the spice, apart from for sure, I'm, I, I can't believe they were. They certainly didn't play like they were in the first half. Um, so yeah, it's probably something somewhat created by ourselves. Uh, it was, you know, it was it was a battle in the second half more than the first half, really. Once Wigan, I, th- I guess Rosler must have, you know, read the riot act at half time. He changed it a little bit tactically, but it only became a battle really in the second half. I think in the first half we controlled it pretty pretty much. I mean, I mean, we did. I mean, obviously the Brentford fans uh, were really into this. We took what well, nearly twelve hundred fans. Up to Wigan on Saturday, they went by boats, by trains, by all sorts. Like you know, it was uh, it was a good. How many went by boat exactly? Um, two. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was it was to be fair, it was actually a good atmosphere. It was a good vibe. I mean, the stadium again. Um, you know, everyone goes on about this about uh, too big for your ground and stuff like that, or your ground's too big for you. I mean, it was pretty deserted because it's you know it's a fairly large stadium. Their crowd was pretty quiet. It has to be said. And the Brentford fans were raucous um, to the end, I would say. Um, You've you just got to say, once again, Brentford fans this season have just stepped up to the plate. It's just, that's, you know, it's, it's staggering. I know it's our first season back for a long time, but regardless, you know, to be taking that amount of fans up, up to Wigan, um, when you've seen, you know, what, are, what some of the other London clubs, you know, do in terms of away support, it's just, it's just top notch. Yeah, the noise, the noise was just was was unreal. I mean, the whole game. Um, 
and it wasn't necessarily the most attractive game or the most exciting game, but it was just constant noise. Um, I think the whole sort of sit where you want thing worked. Yeah, there was, I mean, you know, we didn't feel the away end, but we certainly had plenty of people there and it felt busy and it felt full. And it, I imagine it felt a lot different being in the away end than it did to being in the home end. Definitely. And also, if you've seen that amazing clip as well, from the, the the Brentford team actually came back on the train, the same train as the supporters. And as they got off at Euston, there's actually this mad trip where there's just a whole load of absolutely potty, potty supporters surrounding the coach, surrounding the players as they've got off. The players have taken films, they've posted them up on YouTube. There's there's a video, if you just Google Brentford Besotted YouTube, you see it up there. It's absolutely mad at the station. It's looked like they'd won the FA Cup or something. It, it reminded me of... Um like World Cup winners returning back to Chile or to Uruguay back in the day when you've got thousands of people waiting <laughs> at the airport and they just get mobbed. It's just, yeah. uh, it, was, it, was, it was unreal. <laughs> I, I can't believe there's been many receptions like that after a nil-nil game. It was, it was, it was really like, a, it looked like complete madness. I kind of wish I'd have been there. Yeah, no, I have to admit, what would have happened if we'd uh, actually won? You know, it, would have, yeah. it would have been deaths, like, you know? Few, uh, few London prides consumed on the way back, by the looks of it. I think probably, yeah. But, I mean, I'm just going to say, the question yeah. is, you know, Saturday's game, I mean, there's that old saying, the cliche, two points, um, you know, one point away from home is thumbs up. Do you think that was two points lost, one point gained up at Wigan? Um, I certainly felt half-time that was a completely winnable game. I think it. I, I think it also, just to touch on quickly, is it shows how far we've come just in the last few weeks, you know, because at the beginning of the season, this was a game, you know, away to Wigan was a game that I would have taken nil-nil for, you know, quite happily, because I expected Wigan to be strong this season. I wasn't, you know, you're never quite sure how we're going to react. But, you know, I felt at half-time, and I felt before the game as well, that, that the whole sort of momentum that we've got at the moment where we can, where we've outplayed so many teams this season, we haven't won every game, but we've outplayed a good number of them. Um, it, it's just sort of, you know, it, it's really sort of taken hold. And that's why you got those, that reaction at the train station, etc. But at half time, I thought this was a game we could and should win. Um, I felt that before the game, as I said. I think the second half, the first 15 minutes of the second half, the whole balance of the game changed completely. And um, until we brought Dave on um, into midfield, I kind of thought we'd lost control of the game, and I did think we were up against it for those 15 minutes. But I, I, think, I, think, I think maybe on later on in the season, that point may look even better than it feels right now. I've, I've, I've got a feeling that you know whether it happens under Rosler or you know a new guy does come in, I think Wigan will improve. They, they you know they got their squad can't be down there all season. Some it's gonna it's gonna come good at some stage for them. So I think, you know, maybe when we look back in May, that's that's a point towards our, our security. So um I think I think, you know, we we could have won it, um, should have won it, but you know, I think being boring and, and analytical, um, I think, you know, over these three games, Wigan away, Sheffield Wednesday at home, Bolton away, I think, you know, if we could get five five points, six points from that, I think I think we'd be happy. Every team has its purple patch, and you know we did have their purple patch. Admittedly, in the second half, where the tide had turned. I mean, we interviewed a lot of people at half time, and they said we should be clear we're winning this. We can don't seem to be any good, and uh, we could also seem to be sort of fairly one-dimensional as well in the way that they played their game. They weren't able to switch it or change it or go for as you called it a plan B, which actually quite surprised me. 
Um, I'm just wondering as well, because obviously Adam Forshaw made a start there from that game. He was there in his, I think it was in his red boots, I think, the first half, and he flipped a green boots in the second half. Uh, for probably, I don't know if he's trying to confuse us or what. But um, how do you think the battle of the midfield actually uh, set out? Because obviously you've got, you know, you're at Forshaw, you had Jota, um, you had, uh, you know, the, the boys there in the battle of the midfield. What do you reckon? Um, I think that in the first half, I think we ran the midfield. Although I, I would also say that Forshaw was, appeared to me to be played play better in the first half than did in the second half. In the in the second half, we just got overrun a bit. We lost Yota and Adabaja out of the game. We then tried to swap them on the opposite sides, and that that really didn't work either. And um, we just sort of lost a little bit of control in the midfield, um, and the ball was coming back at us. I mean. I'm not saying that Wigan looked like they were going to, you know, run riot and put three past us, but they just became, they just, they just was a sort of a turning point where we needed to probably just, you know, make things a little bit harder for them. And I guess we kind of did that by bringing Dave on. And I'd also say, although I don't see Prospect scoring many goals, um, there were moments where just we looked a little bit stronger because he could just hold the ball up or he laid it off maybe more effectively than Gray had. I felt gutted for Gray because in the first half, he had sort of, you know, that, that chance just that might have just got him going because I just feel at the moment, he just needs to get a little, little bit of um, confidence. And these half chances, you know, once he gets one of them, I think he'll get on a roll. I mean, he, he, he beat them. I mean, if you, if you checked the Wigan fans, they were talking about that. Gray in particular was beating them for speed. Their defenders, they were just saying that they were just being outtaken out by our players. Our players are beating them the whole time and, and Gray was terrorising them to a certain extent. And when that ball came through and he actually beat their defence and he came to the keeper and he chipped it and obviously we interviewed him on the train on the way home and he looked a bit gutted and he said, I, you know, I thought it was in the back of the net to start off with and, you know, it wasn't a mate. Next time I needed to do better. So you could see that he's obviously being told, the manager saying to him, listen, you're doing all right. You know, it's going to come. It's going to come. And I think it's that scenario where he's a young, green kid. He's been thrown into the, the, the back, like a pack of walls there. You know, he's come straight up from the conference to the championship. The fact is, his first season, yeah, you know, if he came out and he started scoring 30 goals a season, we'd be laughing. We'd be absolutely laughing. That would be like a sort of, you know, if it's a Fulham money, that would be like an £11 million striker that we've got for 500000 but no, it's not. He's still learning the game. But if we could learn the game, keep in this league next season and we stick with Gray, he could actually end up scoring like 15, 20 goals next season because he's got the speed. You can see people are scared of him and he's learning the whole time. I think we've seen enough of him already to know that he's, he's, he's definitely worth persisting with. Um, you know, I, I say it a lot, but you know, as Brentford fans, we've seen not enough shit in our time to know when a player's not very good and he doesn't fit into that category by a long stretch and I think um, Warburton should you know should stick with him should keep trying to underpin his confidence should keep him in the starting lineup um, and I, I think you're right Bill 100% I think it will come right for him and um, I think he will be worth a lot of money um, and hopefully you'll uh, be with us for a few years I mean looking yeah. forward sorry looking forward a little bit Matt I mean, we've just got, you know, a couple of bits of pieces. Obviously, there was uh, a little bit of handbags at dawn in the middle of the pitch where uh, both Craig and Tarkowski got booked. Yeah. And unfortunately, Tarkowski is going to be missing a game against uh, Wednesday on Tuesday, which I'm going to probably say quite a few times today because I find it quite strange. Um, but, yeah, he's playing, playing. He's going to be missing the game on, you know, the game, the game against Wednesday. 
Is this a problem? Oh, I'm not too stressed about it at all. I think that Dean is a better fit coming in on the right-hand side of the two centre-backs than when he played on the left-hand side um, when Craig was out. So I've got no stresses over it. Um, I know Tarkowski's the man. You know, I don't... He's He looks like the best centre-back at the club. But but I've got no problems with Dean coming in. I think he'll do a better job than he did when he came in for Craig. I think it does us, um, does us, does us a favour having a fired-up player, whether it's um, Craig coming back in or whether it's Dean coming back in or whether it's Tarky coming back in. I think, you know... Um, the margin between them all isn't isn't you know isn't isn't that big, and to have a have a player that's bang up for proving why he should be in the team and ahead of the other two, I think is good for is good for Brentford. And 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 a bit of good news as well. We've heard because obviously we've been talking about the striker, we've been talking about Gray, and there's been a lot of focus on Gray because obviously we Hogan went down injured. We've had all sorts of other players gone down injured, which has left us a little bit light up front. Today, Tommy Smith came back and played in the development match against Birmingham City, I think it was. Yeah, it was Birmingham, I think he played against. And he actually scored a goal in his first game back, which is good news. So, um, Warburton's very fired up about that, which is great news. Whether or not he'll be on the bench tomorrow, we don't know, but we will see. But, any, um, any thoughts on the uh, the missing Portuguese, Bettino? Is there any... Uh... We, we on on deadline day he came in and it was you know we were we were mildly mildly aroused by by the by the thought but um, we haven't we haven't had a chance to see him have we? I, I was very excited about him until I heard Warburton talk about him at the fans forum where basically he suggested that um, apart from in the penalty he doesn't have much game at the moment um, so I don't know whether he's still a work in progress um, it might be a lot of progress but to have somebody on loan that's not playing seems slightly um, bizarre I would say. Yeah, I mean, we had the same thing last season as well with a with a couple of players on loan, and I think what happens is that you take them in, they look, you know, they look great, or he's seen them play for next gen, and then he actually takes them in and puts them in our side, and he realises that at the moment now he doesn't quite fit in, or maybe the word is he needs to acclimatise, so he needs to spend two or three months actually acclimatising, and I think that's one of the words that Warburton used at the forum, is that sometimes these players take a bit longer to acclimatise than he actually thought, so maybe this guy. He's in there. We're developing him up. There's a bit of a political reason. Whereas with you know with uh, Sporting Lisbon, we're taking one of their players up and we're working together with them so that next time they they know that we've taken good care of them, they give us another player. But at the same time, they're hoping that maybe maybe it might be nearer to Christmas time where he actually might fit in. But maybe now at the moment now they don't really want to to risk putting him in the side because they don't think he's ready. Yeah, it just seems a little bit odd when you've got you know players like Big Nick coming on and not scoring either. Um, it just seems it might be worth a worth a go. You know, what's what's to lose with ten minutes to go? You know. I, I, yeah, I, I certainly think at a game where you've got control of it, it, I don't see any reason not to throw him on with ten minutes to go. I think I think the Nick substitution was maybe a little bit different on um, on Saturday because it was like a point in the game where the ball was kept coming back at us and we didn't really have an outlet up front. Um, I he's Nick's going to be one of those players that. Um, He's not. He's. I don't see him scoring a lot of goals, but he. But there may be games where he's just going to hold the ball up or win long balls that are hit aimlessly up the pitch as we try and clear balls out. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. I think the player we missed really on Saturday, not having on the bench, was um, Stuart Dallas because I think there was a point where we needed to look at changing one of the front three. Um, in the end, Adabaji came off, and I think Pritchard moved up into the front three, and I think that that was perfect for Dallas to come on. 
Um, so I think he's the player we're really missing as an as an attacking option at the moment. Do you think if um, do, do you think if Tommy Smith is fit again that we we you know we, we might not see Big Nick for a, for a while because uh, you know top from from memory Tommy Smith holds the ball up certainly better um, and you know he looks he looks more potent. It, you know what? It's, I, we haven't played him through the middle yet though. I've seen him. You know he's come on and he started the game against Fulham and he's played on one of the wide positions or he's played in even one of the midfield positions. So. Yeah, in principle, I, I see exactly what you're saying, but it doesn't seem Warburton has felt like playing him through the middle yet. The weekend also had a, a few interesting results, didn't it? Because uh, there's a few things that happened that you might turn around and say shouldn't have happened. I mean, Dave, uh, what's actually sort of kind of made your eyebrows raise at the weekend? Well, one of my eyebrows rose slightly at um, Fulham beating Norwich. I think, you know, the, the Norwich that we saw, I, I was certainly expecting Norwich to come back in the second half. That seems to, to be what they, they do. Um, I thought uh, Cardiff getting a win, Russell Slade's first home win, um, that was that was kind of important. He's, I don't know if you saw the interviews with Russell Slade, um, he wasn't sort of celebrating like he'd won the cup, but he looked like he was amazed to be in the championship. Um, he, he looked like he was uh, yeah, like a schoolboy being given a Lamborghini, he didn't know quite he didn't seem like comfortable with, with the with the pressure of it. But um, we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, um, and the other result was that caught my eye was um, yeah, um, Middlesbrough. They they, they seem to be keep keep going. Um, I thought they were okay against us. I, I certainly didn't think they were you know um, you know that that great. But you know, a, a win down at Brighton was quite a, quite a good result for them. So, um, but no one's pulling away. You know, it switched through again. Um, we can drop points, and we're still, you know, within uh, spitting distance of the top, which is uh, which is phenomenal. And which is interesting as well, because you've got a couple of the teams who are at a bit of a duff start. People like Fulham, and people like Huddersfield as well. Obviously, they've had uh, Chris Powell come into their side, and he seems to have turned things around a little bit, which is uh, good news for them. Which is probably not great news for us, because we're going to be playing them in, a, in about a month or so's time. But they um, they had a they win against uh, one of their relatively local rivals, Blackburn, as well. What I'm saying is that things have uh, things are probably changing a little bit down at the uh, the bottom, and also we've had a scenario as well today where we've had um, Lee Clark, the Birmingham manager, is not the Birmingham manager anymore because he's just been sacked, which is probably no real surprise if you spoke to the Birmingham City fans that we were chatting to and said that they weren't happy with his tactics and especially the fact that in the second half when we played them we absolutely hammered them with 10 men they couldn't understand how that could happen so uh, they've been looking to see the back of them for a while it seems. It looks like he's been trying to get sacked for a year or so to be honest you know he, he managed to just get him out of jail last year and uh, but the interesting thing is obviously Clayton Donaldson chose um, Lee Clark over uh, Mark Warburton uh, is where he's going to sort of kind of uh, do the back end of his career, which uh, we all thought we weren't sure if that was the greatest move in the world. And now, obviously, he's going to have to impress a new manager, which means that he may or may not get daytime at Birmingham City if he's if he's in or out of favour with the new guy that comes in. I would say it's quite interesting with Donaldson because I don't think every team is set up to play to his strengths. We he, he looked for us. He looked as a good when he looked at his best. He was playing on the right coming in. You know, and I don't think that many managers know. I know Clark isn't playing in that way because Clark's playing in through the middle. Um, I'm not sure how many managers would get the best out of Donaldson because he was definitely, I felt, more effective coming in from the right than he was playing through the middle. We've been joined by the Hoyland Owl, Terry Hibbert from Owls Online. He's there in the studio with us. Terry, how are you doing, mate? 
good, thanks. Thank you for uh, allowing me into your little room. No problem at all. Listen, we've got to chat about the last time we played, because the last time we played, you guys had a big smile on your face, didn't you? It was at Griffin Park, and if I remember rightly, you came down to Griffin Park in third place with a few games to go, keeping your fingers crossed that you'll be able to secure promotion to the championships. And if I remember rightly, there was a team one place above you who you were very delighted to have dislodged from their position. Yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly an interesting interesting few days after slipping behind, well, far too behind, um, and they were, you know, lording it above us and uh, coming down to your place and snatching a late win. And then, not only that, going to a local hostelry of yours, I can't remember which one it was, and watching their game on TV after and watching Vic. them not do so well. Their game, who exactly is there? Could you explain who that is? Uh, yeah, sorry, I don't like mentioning Sheffield United, it hurts. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they played after we'd, we'd played at Griffin Park and uh, they, they failed to get three points after we'd got three points and it was uh, yeah, a very joyous day for the Blue and White half of Sheffield. That's right. Oh, that's sorry, Blue and White three quarters of Sheffield. Oh, oh that's fighting <laughs> talk. talk, that is. Um, I must admit, my, we've got some good Sheffield mates actually, and uh, it's amazing how they blamed us, like us, like me personally, for actually the fact that you got promoted because I personally didn't allow you to lose against Brentford. It was like kind of one of those ones where it's one of those personal finger pointing things, you know. Well, I, I'd, I'd like to personally thank you for that favour then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't we're, we're, we're not going to get drawn on this, you know. We we, no, we, we, do, we do like our we do like our trips to Sheffield, don't we, Bill? <laughs> we do. We, we we were there about eight times last year, and we only saw one game. Called off, cancelled, postponed. They were, we had all sorts. And what we had you had to have another drink. Of course, we always have to have another drink. Yeah, you, you know things are really bad when you're playing Scunthorpe and you find an excuse to stay in Sheffield and just, you know, hang around in Sheffield, right, you know? So, yeah, yeah. But, but listen, but, I mean, just talking about your season, talking about the weekend anyway, because we've been chatting away about our game at Wigan. Obviously, we played Uwe Rosler's team. Uwe left us. We're not going to go too much into that ball, but it was, it was a good and interesting day out for us. Um, on the same time, you actually played Watford, who have been having a bit of a topsy-turvy manager managing around situation going on there. But they came down to you, and um, well, tell us about it. Well, to be fair, they spanked us. If I'm honest, um, probably aside from the humiliation at Manchester City that we've had, uh, it was probably the worst game of the season for us. They they deserve to win. Simply put. Um, too many of our players didn't really turn up on the day um, and I've spoken to one of them earlier tonight and he admitted the same. Um, the club captain's come out and said it was it was an off day and I just thought that's what it was, just an off day. Um, but but Watford were really good to be fair. I mean you mentioned their managerial merry-go-round, what, what is he, four managers I think now. Um, but to be fair, I think they could probably play without a manager because they've got some really good players in their team. Um, I mean, we yeah, the second goal were gifted to them, goalkeeping Howler, which we've not seen this year from Kieran Westwood, who's been fantastic, to be honest. Um, but yeah, we it was it were a really we felt down coming away because it's the first time we've not been in a game, and that that speaks volumes for how we've started. 
not not much was expected. We started really well, defended really well, kept more clean sheets so far this season than I, than I can remember in a long time, certainly at this point of the year. Um, so it speaks volumes that, you know, to lose one game, it means, you know, we've set quite high standards, really. I mean, would, it be fair, would it be fair to say that you struggle against teams that play a bit? Um, yeah, it, no, that's probably a fair criticism, to be honest. Um, I mean, we do do better. We play better away from home. We have played better away from home. Certainly the results have been better. Um, I mean, we've only won once at home. So, it, well, aside from in the cup anyway. So, um, you know, that's one good thing about coming to your place tomorrow. The fact that, you know, we, we are a better side away from home, result-wise anyway. Um, but, yeah, we, we have struggled a bit more against sides that, well, I don't know. I don't know whether it's a case. It, it's a strange one. Forrest came and played pretty well, um, but we matched them for most of the game. But then you get one little bit of extra quality, and that just seems to be telling the story at the minute. You know, the, that extra bit of quality is, is generally the difference. That's quite typical of this division, though, from from our limited experience. It, it seems to be, you know, there's not a million million miles between most of the teams. It's just the ones that just have either had a couple of years um, extra experience, or they've got parachute payments to go out and to be able to bring in that, as you say, that extra bit of quality that really sets them apart. Mm. Um, you know, the, the quality is obviously better than what we've been used to in the last 25 decades. But um, it's, uh, there's, 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 not, there's not the gulf that we, we, were, we, would, we were fearing. You know, when we mm. come up, we thought, oh my God, this is going to be tough every week. And it is tougher, but it's not, the, the gulf isn't, isn't there. Yeah, I mean, to be fair though, you guys have been quite savvy in the transfer market. And let's be honest, you know, you've got some decent players before you've spent in the transfer market, and but yeah, that gulf's not as big as many would many would say it is. And I may be right in assuming here that your, you know, your your um, aspirations this year are to stay in the division, and that's exactly what ours were. That's exactly what ours were. You know, we seem to, you know, we were picking a few points a couple of seasons ago. The first time when we first came up, scrapping for a few points, and then it started to go south a bit, and we really had to regroup and start again really we got quite a few loan players in um and yeah it is it turns into a bit of a war of attrition i suppose um and you certainly learn a lot about your team especially if you're hanging around at the bottom of the championship because as you've already said there's that many teams in it and it's that competitive that sometimes it's just about scrapping scrapping for results i mean talk about scrapping for results i mean you've played teams you you know you played cardiff again you lost, to, you know, you lost to Cardiff. You beat Birmingham City two um, 0 at their place. You know, you, you said you just narrowly lost to Nottingham Forest, which you, you felt that you may have been a little bit unlucky. I mean, what are the teams out there that you've seen so far who have been fairly decent? I mean, obviously you thought Watford were wicked. And they, yeah, they, they were probably probably the standout ones, to be honest. Um, I mean, Forest were were good, but not particularly that attractive to watch. Um, you know, I mean, away at Middlesbrough, we, we bet them 3-2, and they then, I should imagine, they look a different side now as to what they did then. I mean, we didn't, we were, we were, well, we were coasting away, and they scored two late goals, and in the end, we're biting his nails. Um, but they didn't look all that impressive, and now they are. So, it's not, I don't think there's any really 
one team that you can say are going to run away with things. It's it is it's a really strange division this year. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, we were you, you played Watford like I said on Saturday. We played them a few weeks ago, and we um before the international break, and uh, we deem ourselves slightly unlucky. I think it was because we played them at their place. Again, it's one of those ones where we bought quite a lot for us, quite a lot of fans. We bought over 2,000 fans up for Watford. Some may say it's just down the road, but it's still an away game, so we sold out our allocation. So we had a really good atmosphere, really good vibe, and we were really up for it. And uh, Brentford came flying out the traps, and they played really well against Watford. Um, we matched them for most of the game. Um, they scored a goal. You know, We scored a fantastic equaliser. You know, Our new guy, Hotta, who we'll talk about a bit later, but there's this guy from Celta Vigo who we bought, who's a great little player, and he seems to be coming into his own. He's, he really does well in games like that. He scored a fantastic goal against them, and then the match was properly even, even Stevens, and then they scored a goal out of the blue. They just got this goal, bang, out of the blue, and it just kind of knocked us for six, really, because... Uh, in reality, it should have been a draw, but the fact is that when a player scores a goal like that, you just got to tip your hat and just give it to them. And they were probably one, them and Norwich were the two best sides that we played this season. Even again, we played Norwich and for 17 minutes of the game, we absolutely battered them. We completely and utterly annihilated them for 17 minutes, but Reddy just wouldn't let us wouldn't let us score. He just was played out of his skin. And after 17 minutes, they just flipped it and uh, and the game was changed. They beat us 3-0 and you'd probably laugh at us thinking, how could you you lost 3-0, how could you say that? But it's interesting, you know, Laney was talking about playing football. You know, we played football against these two sides and it was a great game, scintillating game, fantastic game. Um, we came up the back end of uh, both of them. We came up the wrong, the back end of them. But it'll be interesting to see how, we, you know, how we come against, how we fare against you guys. Um, you know, fare against you guys because, uh, you know, if, you, if you've got a tendency to play football, which we're mm -hmm. hoping you do. Yeah, which we try to. It could be a really, really interesting encounter. I mean, thinking back, I mean, and you mentioned, you know, the other teams. I mean, probably the only one, that, other one that I can really think of was Derby. I mean, it was only three games into the season. We drew nil-nil, um, and many of us saw it as quite a marker as to how far, you know, we have come over the summer. I mean, we, we won on the opening day away at Brighton, then bet Knox County in the cup. Obviously, you know, no disrespect to Knox County. Um, and then we had Derby at home, and last year they gave us a hiding twice. Um, they gave us a real lesson in both games, um, and we drew nil-nil and played really, really well. And th I think that's at the minute. There's not so much a negative feeling around the place. Um, I, as I said earlier, I think it's just a case of we've set standards. You know, going um, so many games unbeaten at the start, and not looking like we'd lose a game. You know, we went the first six without losing, including the cup game before we played Forest, and then another three after losing Forest we, against Forest, we won the next three. Um, and then since then, we've not been able to, we've not been able to get a win. Um, so it's, it's not a negative. We do try and play football, but at the minute, we've had a couple of injuries on Saturday. Our ex-Chelsea um, youngster, Sam Hutchinson, the, who retired when he was at Chelsea and then came back to play again and came on loan to us last year, and then we signed him in the summer. He was injured after around four minutes. Um, and even though we've not had him in the side for a good month or so, it was a massive loss. And you could see the game plan was sort of out of the window then. It were, you know, he, he can be quite a vital part to our team when he's playing. Um, and, and, for, and, he's, and he's a really popular lad as well. 
and for him to come in and then go off the pitch and it looked like he was in tears. So that says what he thought the injury might be. Um, that that just knocked the stuffing out of us. So that that probably, you know, that didn't help on Saturday. But yeah, we do try and play football, um, but we work very hard as well. It's no, we're not we're not you know it's not um, it's not total football, but we do like to get the ball down as opposed to just you know hitting the big man because we do have one. In playing you guys to. Um... Talk us through your team. I mean, which is interesting. Obviously, you talk about Hutchinson, who's a very, very big player for you, and he's going to be out. But what other players should we be looking out for? Well, with no superstars, that's that's for sure. Um, and I think probably, in a way, it, it's a bit of a blessing and also a curse. Um, we do, we do. If one thing we do uh, miss is probably a really, really creative player, and that's. Certainly in, in central midfield, that's one thing we do miss. But we've got a very good goalkeeper. Kieran Westwood came in in the summer, um, left Sunderland, Republic of Ireland International. Um, from what we were told in the summer, the Sunderland fans, some of them liked him, quite a few of them didn't like him. And ever since he's come in, he's been outstanding. Um, you know, to say that he's been one of our better players implies that, you know, we... We, we we let the opposition have plenty of chances. That's not always been the case, but when he's been called upon, he's been really, really good, aside from the second goal on Saturday, which if you've seen it, he let him dribble through his hands, um, which was uncharacteristic. Um, our back four has been really settled. Um, the pick of the back four has, um, t has been Tom Lees. We signed another player we signed on a free transfer. Some of the, again, similarly to Westwood, some of the Leeds fans were happy to see him go, but then there were also some that were disappointed that they let him go out on a free transfer. He was still under contract, and he, he's an ex-England under-21 international. Some saying he's not good enough, he's not hard enough, he's not imposing enough. He's, it's been the polar opposite. He's been fantastic. Um, but yeah, we've had a settled back for as right back. Um, he's a converted midfielder. <laughs> He, he was a central midfielder. He's now more or less our regular right-back, Liam Palmer. He's got plenty of energy going forward. But I think if you guys are maybe looking to exploit something, he's not the best at getting back into position. Um, but hopefully we'll not have to rely on that if, if he's pushing forward and doing well. Um, in midfield, probably the one that will catch the eye the most hasn't really um, played the biggest part yet and that's ex-Real Madrid 14 million euro man Royston Drenter who was on loan at Reading, uh, sorry we've got on loan from Reading um, another player it's, it's strange, it's like another player castigated by his parent club or his parent club's fans, apparently he has attitude problems but from what I'm told there's been none of that since he's been at Wednesday um, came on for the second half on Saturday and, and lifted the team we were never going to come back from 3-0, but he likes to step over. He's really quick. He's, he's I wouldn't say he's one-dimensional, but he, let, let's say he likes to have a shot. Um, and he is really a threat. Um, then inside, the other central midfielder of ours is a converted defender. We seem to be good at playing. Some people say it's square pegs in round holes, but Kieran Lee, who was um, in Manchester United's youth team, 
before going to Oldham and played right back there, got player of the year there, started with us as right back, then got put in a central midfield role. And he's grown into that. I mean, again, go back to Saturday, it was probably not his best game, um, but he does the little things well. He's not particularly a tackler, but he seemed to find space. He's got very quick feet. Um, you know, he, he has that little, I suppose for an opposition point of view, it, he can be quite annoying in the sense that he he doesn't really have to move very far, but manages to find that little five yard of space to get the ball of somebody, give it to someone else, and then step another ten yard forward and find himself in another hole again. So you think we might be up against a bit of a midfield battle here? Because I mean, Laney, I mean, you talked about you know a couple of players that you had there. Who are the players to look out for for Brentford? I'm thinking who might be actually kind of battling out these uh, these Wednesday players that Terry's telling us about. Well, I mean, you, know, you can only assume this is going to be the start up, starting lineup, but you, you, you would you would assume that Jota and um, Pritchard and Douglas are going to be in the middle, where you know we've got a mi- mixture there of muscle and um, muscle and flair and skill and tenaciousness. Um, you know, I, I hope it's not I hope it's not a battle that's played out in the middle of the park because um, you know I'd like I'd like to see I, I could I could possibly predict quite a few goals tomorrow night um hopefully hopefully for the bees but um i just I, i've got a good vibe tomorrow i think i think this is a good time to be playing wednesday in my, my spidey senses are saying this um and i'm i'm, I'm gonna predict a you know quite a quite a healthy bees win i'm, I'm afraid <laughs> listen if it's what you feel lenny that's that's you're more than entitled to it i mean that as I said, the, 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 my, my only criticism is just the fact that we haven't created that much. But in the same sense, when, you know, when we have won, we've generally, although the scores haven't been massive, we've generally won quite well if you, in, a, in a performance sense. Um, yeah. It's, not, it's so, not been many games where we haven't created. I guess Saturday we didn't create that much. But in most games, the thing that's let us down is, is just our finishing. It's, it's being, being clinical. Um, you know, we, we talked about this in recent podcasts where, you know, the difference between us and, and a team that's going to be at the top of the division is that five, six, seven million pounds um, proven striker that can, you know, easily convert anything that, that comes his way, can sniff out a chance. You know, we're, we're not in that position quite yet, but we, we're creating enough chances for us to, to have won most games, um, apart from arguably Saturday and probably Middlesbrough away. In, 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 even in, in most of the games we've lost, we've created enough not to have done. So um, that's, what, that's where our confidence, we're, we're certainly not expecting anything every game. It, it can go either way, we know, we know that. But, you know, the attitude's been spot on, the, the fight, amongst the players has been spot on again apart from the one game in Middlesbrough um, it, 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 I can't see it being anything else than that tomorrow we, we just love these you know, bigger games underneath the floodlights at Griffin Park there's something special and something magical about them it's going to be close to another sellout it's going to be 10,000 plus I would have thought again um, which it's not massive for you, your, you from your, by your standards but it, you know, it, we, it creates a, a great cauldron um, and, uh, you know, as I, as I say, you know, these, these nights under the Griffin Plot of floodlights are very special to us. And I think hopefully it'll be another one tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. So what you've said in terms of the, the games, the way, you know, there's been the odd game where it's just not quite been there. That's, it sounds similar to us, you know. And, and in terms of the striker situation, um, we've, we've got three 
four strikers if you include a lone uh, striker. And we've not been prolific by any means. I mean, our, our, our big man, um, Artie Nuiu, who gets his name mispronounced every week in every paper and every radio station by the sounds of it, um, he's, he's a one hell of a handful. He's, you know, he's as big as Peter Crouch, but maybe, you know, he's, he's, not, as, he's not a beanpole. He's a big lad. Um, and he does get buffeted around. He's got a really good touch, but he just lacks that little something, that that bit of calmness and a sh- you know a surety in front of goal, where you just think, yeah, this one's going in. As you said, that six million pound striker, that you, and it, it, you'd be surprised after you know throughout the season, you'll see the teams that have that bit of quality up front. It makes such a difference. I mean, we've seen that. I mean. Tomorrow is Stuart Grace, your manager. It's his 50th game in charge, actually. It's half century. So uh, I don't know if he's going to be coming down and celebrating. I mean, what do you think? Do you think he's going to be going away at the end of the day with a bit of a smile on his face? Well, obviously, I hope so. Um, I mean, we, you know, we're looking for a reaction from Saturday. Um, and obviously, we're looking to get, get, back on, you know, get back to three points. Whether we get it or not, well, you know, you've started... As you said, you've started pretty well at home. You're doing pretty well. Um, I mean, you know, the last couple of years, last couple of times we've been down Griffin Parks, you know, it's it's been quite a good place for us. I mean, I've certainly got happy memories of it from going back to 2004 and the playoffs. And, you know, I don't know. We, I think certain sections of the fan base have sort of, you know, had a, had a mutual respect for each other since then. You know, we had... Uh, banter with Martin Allen when he was the boss and stuff and it seems to have carried on so uh, you know most people have got fond memories so hopefully you know opposing your your thoughts I'd like to think we're going to come in come away with happy thoughts again my first my first Brentford Sheffield Wednesday game was as far back as 1980 um it was Andy McCulloch's return to Griffin Park after he'd left and um it was the we had the ITV cameras down there, which was uh, it was so it was it wasn't televised live obviously because that never happened back in the day, but it was on the big match on the Sunday, and uh, it was yeah it was, uh, it was it was another one of those games that Brentford fans probably won't ever forget because it wasn't often we were on TV. So um, that was my yeah 1980 2-2 draw. Yeah, my my first year really going and watching Wednesday that way. Um, I know the friends of mine that listen to this will will say I'm lying, but I was five. Um, so I think good to many away games then. Um, I'm loyal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, many of my friends would they'd say I'm lying at my age. There, but no. Right, and also we've got in 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 our camp as well. Our assistant manager David Weir, or head coach David Weir, is actually the ex United manager as well. You see, so uh, I don't know if he's got a little bit of a a bone to pick, you know, to make sure that he's got the scores to settle with you boys there, or maybe. <laughs> The way that he was treated at United, maybe he just wants to put that whole thing behind him and just forget the whole Sheffield affair. He did a tremendous job down at Bramall Lane. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, he'll, listen, he'll still, he'll, he'll no doubt probably, will if, if the, you know, people see him and realise is uh, there, he'll probably get a bit of banter. But you know, I dare say people will um, leave him alone. <laughs> Let me go around the table to see if I can get a result from you from the Brentford Sheffield Wednesday game. It's going to be played on a Tuesday. Laney? Um, 3-1 Brentford. Confident 3-1. Very confident. Um, I'm not as confident as 3-1, but knowing our our away record as it is, I think we'll probably scrape it. But I think we might even get a clean sheet, 1-0. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring one. And I'm going to go for 2-1 to Brentford. I'm 
fairly confident that we should win. I'm actually gutted on Saturday that we didn't win, only because um, we should have won. We had the chances to win, and we should have won. And I think off the back of that, and off the back of the players seeing how mad the supporters were, I think they're going to be fired up for the game tomorrow. And uh, so I think we're going to do it. Well, can I just add happy birthday to you guys as well, because it's your birthday game tomorrow, isn't it? Thank you very much for adding that, Mr. Uh, Hoyland. No yeah, problem. We will be in the, uh, we'll be in the pub before if you want to bring a cake down. <laughs> right, right. We'll be drinking in the glow before, and if you want to come down and uh, bring anything, any sorts of presents and hats and uh, anything else you'd like to add to it. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, one or two others will be turning. Well, well, you know, there'll be there'll be a beer or two raised. I should imagine. I don't know about cake, whether it travels well, that well. I'll buy the beer instead. Then. Oh, <laughs> fair enough. So listen, this has been the Besotted Podcast. We've been here with Al's online, Terry, the Hoyland Al has been with us. We've been with Matt from Besotted. We've been from Lady from Besotted. I'm Billy the B from Besotted. Check out our videos from the weekend. Check out our videos and our podcasts on iTunes. Check us all out. We're looking forward to this game. Hopefully, it's going to be three points for the Bees. May the best team win. And if it ain't Brentford, then let Brentford win. Come on, you Bees. Bye. Cheers, pal. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.